The following message is a presentation from Grace Baptist Church in Kettering, Ohio. 1 Peter chapter number 3 and verse number 8. Let's read there, 1 Peter chapter number 3 and verse number 8. The Bible says, finally, be ye all, and who's that all? Us, of one mind, having compassion one of another, love his brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, which we all want to see good days, don't we? Uh, he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Have you ever seen someone come to a uh, shorter days because they couldn't keep their mouth shut? All right? That's the idea. Peter says, if you want to have a, a settled life, if you want to enjoy life, if you want to have good days, uh, learn to refrain your, uh, your speaking. Learn to think before you speak. Verse number 11, let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it, pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. I don't know about you, I don't want the Lord's face against me. You with me on that? I don't want the, the Lord's face against me. I want his blessing, his hand of blessing upon my life. Verse number 13, and who is he that will harm you? if ye be followers of that which is good. That is similar to a question we asked uh, last week. Who, who can, if, if the Lord's with you, who can harm you? Uh, what can man do to you if you're doing what is right? And he says in verse number 14, but and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Lord, would you bless our time together in your word this evening. It is our privilege to sit before your word, your inspired word, and allow it to speak into our hearts. Lord, this is, this is a, an honor that we get to take part in because you as our God, our Father, have given us your word, and we, we want to love it, we want to accept it. We want to apply it into our lives. Lord, we ask that you would help us to be compassionate uh, as we go about this week. So would you grow us in our understanding of what you expect of us? And we will give you praise as we see you working in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated. This year, as we began the year, we, we said that loving one another is the pathway to New Testament Christian community, in fact, healthy New Testament Christian community that provides the needed support in a hostile world. That's our verse. It's not up there anymore. That's our theme verse is what Jesus told us to do is to love one another as I have loved you. And that loving, that obedience to that first command of having a heart of sacrifice and a heart of love towards one another is how all the other one another's would be accomplished in Scripture. And so when we come to a passage like this where we are told to have compassion on one another, uh, without love, we won't have the compassion that we need. In fact, without love, we won't have the forgiveness that we need that we learned about this morning. 
without that love. And loving one another is that pathway. I believe the Lord has grown us greatly this year in our individual lives and together as a church in learning what it is to love each other and just care about each other as we ought to and really growing in our sense of family. And I want us to continue to grow in that way uh, just beyond this year. It's not just a year thing. This is a, this is a way of living that we need to embrace and continue in. And I wonder, as we, as we have been going through this this year, I wonder if you can see some areas of your life where you've grown in your care for one another or in your willingness to forgive or in your willingness to uh, edify one another or your willingness to exhort another believer and encourage them in their faith. Have you grown along? And I hope that you have. I hope that you can see areas of your life, well, I used to be this way, I used to think this way, but God has changed my mind to think this way. And rather than condescending to someone who I see who has a spiritual need or an area of spiritual growth, I've, I've learned this year that I need to encourage them and then come alongside of them and help them up rather than demean them. I was standing in line and listening uh, to a conversation going on behind me and uh, realizing I don't think the person realized how loud they were speaking and some of the things that they were speaking about others around them uh, was unbelievable, and inside of a church, and I, and I, and I, and I heard it, it wasn't here, okay, so don't, don't worry, I, and, I, and, I, and I'm sitting there, should I turn around and say, you know what, that's just not very kind, but I didn't do that, but the, the thing is, you know, in our hearts, sometimes we can be off, we can be off in the way that we speak about one another right inside of a church building, and I, I trust that the Lord has, has grown you and that you can see some areas of marked growth in your life in this matter of one another. There are 52 one another's in Scripture. God intended for us to interact with one another with love and with the, the most open hearts imaginable. And uh, nothing is sweeter than being a part of a church family that's growing in this. And, and I, I truly mean this. I, the Lord has made this place to be one of the sweetest places on earth to me uh, and what God is doing in our, in our hearts together. And I, I praise the Lord for it. Let's continue on in it. And let's learn about this compassion, this matter of compassion tonight because we live in a world that's hurting. We live in a world that doesn't know Jesus Christ like we read about and we just, we get past. Um, I don't mean to digress, but there's, there's different things that are coming into play here that God's been doing in my heart. I've been, I've been, uh, learning a lot about this whole matter of losing the wonder of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, uh, you know, you and I, we read over Scripture, and it doesn't hit us the same as it might hit somebody that's fresh to Jesus Christ. And we talk about, well, Jesus Christ forgave us of all of our sins. They don't know that, just like you just mentioned. They don't know it. We know it, but we don't, uh, the world around us doesn't understand this full and complete total forgiveness of sins. They, that's, that's a dream that's something that, that, that is miraculous. They don't think that that's available to them. But we get past that and we get, we get, we get beyond that and we don't, we don't have that same heart of, and that, 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 uh, that idea of wonder at what Jesus Christ is to us. And so when we think about a world around us that is struggling in the mire of sin and we look at them just wallowing in that, many times in our hearts we can say, well, you know, just come on, make a different decision. Just, just, just you need to do what's right, and you need to follow after Jesus Christ, and you need to accept him as your Savior, and sometimes we don't realize they don't, they don't know. They've been told 
uh, forever that religion is against them and that Jesus Christ is just here to condemn them. Jesus was the one that says, I didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but to give them life and life more abundantly. I, that's the reason I came into the world, but they don't know. And so this matter of compassion toward one another, but towards the world outside that is literally wallowing in their sin is a matter that we need to grab a hold of and can revolutionize our interactions with the lost around us. It'll revolutionize our, our interactions with our family members if we have compassion. What's compassion? Someone's defined it this way, as your, your hurt in my heart. Your hurt in my heart. Now, can you think of a time where someone has had compassion on you, where you were going through a very difficult time, they realized it, and they hurt with you? Can you, can you remember how that really touched and impacted, touched your heart deeply? Maybe you remember a time where you've shared something that was very, very hurtful to you, and it was just passed over. It, it was like, well, let's get on to the next thing. We're all capable of doing that, are we not? Our minds are going like this, and someone mentions something that's very, very important to them, and we're like, well, and this is what I was thinking about. We move on, we move on in the conversation. God help us grow in that. God help me grow in, in the, the, the ability and the, the response of compassion like Jesus. It's easy to momentarily feel sad about something, right? Wow, that's shocking news. I was over, in, uh, I was over at Brother Seiler's wife's uh, viewing which they had the funeral at five, and I was just sitting there thinking, you know, what, it, what would it be like, I mean, the difficulty of spending so many years with a spouse, and I, I talked to him, I just said, you know what, you know, you, you spent that time in the ministry, and uh, I know that she was your right hand, and she was your, you know, closest friend, and, and you, you think about that, and it's easy in a moment in that situation just to feel pain there, but what about a week later, uh, I think about our widows here. You know, it's easy in a moment to feel pain, but do you realize that, that every time our widows go by that death anniversary date, one of the hardest times of the year for them? You know that? And we, we can just get right beyond, right beyond that because it isn't immediately in, impacting our lives but it's easy to sense it in a moment and maybe even move on without acting. But what God is calling us to is he's saying, listen, I want you to be compassionate. I want you to care deeply in your heart. Jesus, it says in Matthew 14, verse 14, he was moved with compassion. It welled up in his heart. That's the idea of moved. It, 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 the same idea that the Bible says the Holy Spirit moved along, holy men of God, as they, they wrote the word of God, Right? That he bore them along. It's the idea of this, 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 this force or this, this direction that he is moved along with compassion. And this is something that welled up within him. And so we need to have that same heart of compassion. And get it, I don't have that without Jesus' help. I don't have that without the Holy Spirit enabling me and prompting me. Do you know when the Holy Spirit prompts you about reaching out to a certain person, going through a difficult time, you know, that's not Satan reaching out to you and saying, hey, do this. That is the Holy Spirit of God that's reaching out to you and saying, hey, right now they need you. Well, it doesn't make sense to make a phone call. Right now they need you. And well, allowing compassion to move us to action. We're going to notice 
several items from this passage of Scripture tonight. Look at verse number 8, and I want you to notice the realm in which our compassion ought to act out. The realm. To whom should we show compassion? He says, finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion, read it with me, one of another. Say it again, having compassion, one of another. This idea of compassion is the feel with another. It's having their hurt in my heart. It's a suffer with them. It is the idea of what the Bible tells us in the book of Romans, weep with them that weep and rejoice with them that do rejoice. It's having that, that, that ability to be with them through what they're going through, identifying with them. Jesus identified with those that were hungry, did he not? And so he had compassion. He looked at the hillside and all the disciples saw was, all oh, these people forgot to bring their lunch. Now, how are we going to do this? This is a problem. Philip says, 200 penny worth of, uh, of bread isn't going to take care of this problem. Jesus says, no, just have them sit down. And his heart was moved with compassion to those that were physically hungering. We should have a heart of compassion towards those that are around us, towards one another, towards those within our church family. Sometimes it's easy to get cynical. In church life, you know that, that people come and people go, and you know that, that it's a part of church life and ministry. But you know, may God give us a heart of compassion. You know, not everyone that comes and maybe you haven't seen them for a while, not everyone's just saying, yeah, sayonara on God. Perhaps they're really going through a difficult time. Perhaps they've, they've been a brother who's fallen and they don't know how to get up again. And our heart of compassion towards them would be such a blessing. This heart of compassion needs to be exemplified. It needs to be modeled. It needs to be demonstrated inside of a unified mindset. Us together inside of a unified mindset. Look there. Finally be of all of what? One mind. Uh, there's not going to be compassion shown if we're all fighting with each other, right? If we're all seeing everything, well, I got this opinion, I got this opinion. If we're all fighting with one another, he says, there's not going to be this heart of compassion. You're not going to be able to display this as a church. Be like-minded. And like-mindedness is only possible as we have Christ's mind. It's not possible, and me and Brother Tom just agreeing because we're me and, uh, me and Brother Tom, it is only possible as me and Brother Tom have the mind of Christ. Then we can agree. Because we have different experiences, different backgrounds. It is the mind of Christ that gives us the agreement. And that's what is said in Philippians 2 and verse number 2. Fulfill you my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, be of one accord, of one mind. And then he goes on to say, hey, make sure you have the mind of the Lord Jesus Christ. A humble mind. Over in Philippians, it tells us that we can only strive together as we're of one spirit and of one mind. Then we can strive together for the faith of the gospel. That like-mindedness as we have Christ's mind. A united mindset. Do you realize that we here together as a church have the ability to together impact people with compassion? To, with that unified mindset, who can we help? Who can we encourage? Who can we help along? And the body moves and, and, and exudes compassion. There's a story of, of some uh, ladies that exemplified this well 10 days after Pearl Harbor. Uh, the people of North Platte, Nebraska, received word that the soldiers from their town of North Platte were on a train and they were coming their way. And so you can imagine the, the moms and the, uh, and, and the wives and, uh, and so forth got 
got together and they were gonna, they're gonna go up and show up at this train station. They're coming through town and they're gonna show up at this train station. They're gonna give them care packages and food and, and so on. And so they're gonna just bless them as they come through. And you would if it was your, your husband or your son on that train. And, uh, and so they were there and they're waiting for this train to arrive. They're gonna be passing through town they're, and they're waiting for this train to arrive. And so they were there and the train finally arrives and as the train begins to offload, they realize something and it wasn't the boys from that, the company that was from Nebraska, but rather it was a, a company from Kansas. So these perfect strangers are walking off the bus and you can imagine that a little bit of an awkward moment as moms and wives are standing there with care baskets for people they don't know. You can imagine, can you put yourself in that awkward position? Like, who are you? And now what do we do? You know, whoever, who organized this thing anyway? Who got the word wrong on this, on this number? But there was one lady, one mom, who finally just stepped forward with her gift basket, her care package, and extended it to one of the young men. It was for her son, but extended it to one of the young men and thanked him for his service to our country. It was very quickly after seeing her lead out in that way, the other ladies began to give their, their gifts and their care packages to the different soldiers. Soon after that happened, the, the town organized a canteen where they could prepare uh, gift, uh, gift bags and packages and, and distribute them to soldiers who would come through on the train and would stop off at that, that, that place. Uh, they did this for the next four and a half years, getting together, developing this, and, and contributing in that way. The women of the North Platte prepared sandwiches, cookies, hot coffee, hot coffee, what a blessing, and uh, for the, the, uh, the soldiers there and that came through town, as many as 8,000 soldiers in one day they would serve. What an amazing thing. The last train arrived April 1st, 1946, and by that time, those ladies who got together to do this had served over six million soldiers. The soldiers only had 10 minutes during their stop. 10 minutes for them to make an impact and to show love and compassion. And in those minutes, they received unconditional love from ladies they did not know. There's a book that's written about it. And uh, Bob Green was the one who wrote about, uh, uh, in, in that book, Bob Green is interviewed as one of the uh, few surviving soldiers that received that love. And uh, any one of the, the soldiers that were interviewed years later, they had one common response to, uh, to being asked about what happened there at North Platte. It was they wept because of the warm memories that they had had of those moments stepping off those trains for those 10 moments, those 10 brief minutes and receiving love from that town. And I can just imagine how that God through our church continuing in, a, in the next year can continue to show love and support. Ladies, I, I know I'm talking a lot about you ladies tonight, but you know what? You have the heart of the church uh, sometimes guys can get real focused on what, this is what we need to do and this is what we need to do and so forth, but the ladies of the church create the spirit of the church. Your heart for hospitality and care and noticing the little things, you create the, the, the attitude of this church. 
You get a bunch of ladies at odds with each other, and you can mark it down. You walk in, and you want to cut the atmosphere with a knife, right? That happened in Philippi. But you have a bunch of sweet ladies who want to serve the Lord, like we've been talking about, and, and, and do something like this. Boy, there's, there's tremendous power. And already in this town, you have a spirit of that. Your, your grace cares and your little packages that you put together, you know that right now in our town, in our police cruisers, there are, there are blankets that you still made that are available to those, those kids that are picked up on the streets and don't have, maybe they're running around in their diaper. And you know what our police officers can give them from you ladies? A nice double layer fleece blanket that says because Grace cares on it. You remember doing that? They don't give those all away in one, in one night. Those are there. You know you made an impact? Your compassion, your time, you putting things together. What a blessing. And guys, we need to, oh, we need to grow in compassion too. And we need, to, uh, we need to look for those opportunities to do it. But I'm just saying there are people that are hurting out there. And it might just be a, a brief moment, but we're able to show compassion and what an impact it makes. I was in the police station this week. And I, I, don't, I don't remember a time seeing officers so down and just sad. And I, I stayed there for a little while. I didn't intend to stay as long as I did. I just stayed there for a little while. And it is sad to see what has happened in our country. We have gone from, uh, we have gone in, in just a year's time to the point where these men, one mentioning to me, I, I don't even want to make stops because I just don't want to get into it. And I'm just saying, there is, there, is, there is huge opportunity, not just to police officers, there's huge opportunities to show compassion. And it might just be a, 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 a small moment, but that, that decision to show compassion in that moment could make a huge difference in somebody's life. And likely we're going to have that opportunity this week. Uh, we had some stoves dropped off a couple, um, what, a couple weeks ago or whatever now. And uh, you know, when people come through your home, service Service people. You know, sometimes these, these service people, they might be installing something in your home, but they don't get treated well. You know, there are times in a different, in a different place. Sometimes they're just, you know, you're doing your job, you do your thing, and I'll do my thing, and you, know, you just get this done, and I'm expecting. You know what? Offering them a bottle of water, offering them hot coffee, offering them something, sending them on their way. Well, I was mentioning, when we had some chips sitting out in the, on the table in there. Put some bottles of water and some chips together. Here's three guys delivering a stove. Guys, here's some stuff. Oh, thank you so much. You know how easy it is to witness after doing that? Show a little compassion. Just a little love. And what a difference it makes. Look around. Ask God to open up opportunities and open up your eyes to you. Who is the person that needs this compassion? Let's show that compassion. Let's be united in that as a church. Let's rejoice when we as a church, when someone says as a church, I got to show some compassion this week. Oh, praise the Lord. We as a church got to show compassion. What a great thing it is. Psalm 142 in verse number four. I looked on my right hand and I looked and beheld there was no man that would know me. Notice this. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. No man cared for my soul. Now I want you to think about this, this matter of no man caring for my soul. What a horrific thing to be said. 
And there are people that feel that way as they go out into life. No man cares for my soul. God help us to come across their paths. And God help us to be that smile. And God help us to be that, that extended hand. They, all, they say, no, no handshaking, no, don't touch, don't. And, and even through this time, there has been distance that's been put that is hurting humanity. I understand some of the precautions we need to take, but you realize that there are a lot of hurting people right now, and we can have an incredible impact on them. Imagine what would happen. Imagine uh, the advance of the gospel. Imagine the, the name of Jesus Christ being uplifted as we're united in our mindset of compassion. But notice a loving mindset, a loving mindset. Love as brethren, verse number eight, be pitiful, be courteous. Three aspects of this love. He, he breaks it down for us. Love as brethren. He does not use the word agape. He says, I want you to just show brotherly love. Phileo love. Philadelphia, the, the, uh, the city of brotherly shove, right? No, it, it's named brotherly love. Not always what Philadelphia lives up to, but love as brethren. Show common family love to those around you. It's why even as you, you come into the church, one of the things that the millennial generation, my generation, really craves is this idea of family because so many of them have grown up in broken families. And the body, the, the, the body of Christ has been called the family of God. God uses that language, so that's not something we're coming up with. But you know, as you, you walk in and you might see on the screen, welcome to the family. That's not, by, that's not by accident. That's us saying, hey, we want you to be a part of what we consider to be our family. This is a great thing. So we need to have this brotherly, fraternal love towards others. He says, be um, pitiful, be tenderhearted. Now, we've all been wrong before, but God calls on us to, to allow our hearts to melt and to show tenderheartedness as Ephesians 4.32 tells us to be tenderhearted and then forgiving one another. Be courteous, be friendly and kind. Thank you for being a friendly and kind church. Let's be friendly and kind everywhere we go. How many, how many of you would say with me that there are some people or some, uh, some organizations that might test your patience? Okay? I was telling my class this morning, you know, sometimes I, I, I have to ask for an extra measure of the Holy Spirit's control in my life when I'm dealing with customer no service. I just, I, I, mm, I struggle, and there's sometimes I get off the phone, I've witnessed to the person, I've been a blessing to them, I've asked where they are, and there's other times I get off the phone and I say, Lord, what a failure I am. I've really, it, I would be ashamed, I would be ashamed if they, if they understood who I, who I was. I, I, I need to do better. And, and, and you say, well, how in the world? But you know, sometimes it's just so frustrating, don't you get it? You know, don't you, uh, why are you pass me from one person to the next, and you know, on and on. We need the Lord's help, don't we? I mean, this is practical. This is right where it is, right? And I don't know what yours is. That's sometimes my, my, uh, my nemesis. I've actually had to uh, and, and had the opportunity uh, to ask somebody, uh, I'm sorry, would you please forgive me? I was wrong. But, you know, we have to be courteous wherever we are. And the Lord calls us to that. And when we have this mindset of compassion, we desire to show love towards other people. Um, frankly, how many of you work in customer service? Any of you? I know we have some in our church that, that answer phones. And I'm not sure that I could handle that all day long. Could you? Could you handle that? 
and uh, everyone trying to get you to see it from their standpoint and uh, having their hurt in our hearts. What an important, what an important thing. And so the realm of compassion is a, a united mindset, us together. Let's always keep that heart, church. Let's keep a heart of compassion. And the loving mindset, how can we sacrifice? How can we show that familial love, that family love? Let's keep nurturing that, that spirit of family. Let's not let Satan get in between us. Let's nurture that, that spirit of family. It's all right to, to fellowship together and to hang out together and enjoy drinking some tea or coffee together or to enjoy time at one another's homes. It's all right to go play games together and, and enjoy time together. It's all right. May, may we continue to grow in these things. But the reach of compassion, look in verse number uh, 9. The reach of compassion, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise blessings. All believers should be engaged in showing compassion. So not just the believers that are gifted with the gift of mercy. You aren't, there isn't a gift in Romans chapter number 12 that says compassion. There is the gift of mercy, but there is not the gift of compassion. It's, it's for all of us to do it. Not just those that are inclined to, we all need to grow in it. So we could all legitimately pray, myself included, Lord, help me to grow and to be, uh, increase in this matter of compassion towards others. The, the reach of it needs to, first of all, be verbally. Notice what he deals with in verse number nine, not rendering. He's talking about our speech. Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise, a spoken blessing, a blessing uh, upon this person, knowing that you're there and to call. This is what God wants you to do. We're... Our words should encourage. They should encourage. They should not be railing words, slanderous words, abusive words. Now, in some ways, um, the likelihood of us railing on one another in the context or out in the lobby is, is not likely. This probably is happening maybe outside the church doors or even in our, in our families or behind, behind, you know, where we're off with another believer about someone else, you know what I'm saying? This isn't going to probably break out in here, right? We, we, we know well enough not to do that. But the fact is even believers can, can say some things about someone else that's slanderous. Right, And so Peter says, let's not do that. Let's make sure that we're not doing that. Let's, not make, sh let's make sure that we're not doing that towards our families, towards our spouses, towards our, towards our church family, towards those we work with. Um, do not even in, inside of, of families, inside of marriages, is, are not some railing words said? Yeah. Uh, do you get around some folks from the world that, that talk about their spouses through the, um, through the day? Now, they did this, and you know, really just rail on them, and you would think that, the, that their spouse had horns, right? Uh, and that's not above Christians from doing. They get in that context and begin speaking about their spouse and speaking how bad and the decisions that are made. And I'm just saying... Peter says to you and I that we're not to rail, but we are to bless. We're to invoke divine favor. We're to invoke God's blessing upon one another's lives. We're to have words fitly spoken, as Proverbs says, is, an ap is apples of gold and pictures of silver. It's perfect. It's right. Uh, are any of you familiar with the name George Truitt? 
He was the pastor of the First Baptist Church of Dallas for many years. Um, he accidentally shot his best friend on a hunting trip, and he died. According to his daughter, after that day, uh, he never laughed again. It severely, severely gripped him. He had a radio program there, and imagine across the U.S., and he would end with these words. Do you remember what they are? Be good to everybody, because everybody is having a tough time. Be good to everybody, because everybody's having a tough time. How many of you have had a tough time this week in any small or, or great? Be good to everybody, because everybody's having a tough time. You know, we don't typically walk in here and say, hey, I've had a tough time this week, and here's how. But we carry that on our heart. Be good to everybody, because everybody's having a tough time. I saw something this week, and I, I went back and forth about whether to share it with you, uh, but I think it would be helpful. And I do, not, I do not know if this man is a believer, but I think it illustrates uh, we walk past situations every single day, and we have no idea what's going on behind people's faces. And uh, this, is, this, is, this is striking. Would you guys show that for me? I got on the next bus. I sat in the very last seat in the middle row. We began to drive out to the Golden Gate Bridge. And that's when it hit me. I realized I didn't want to die at all. I said, well, what are you doing, Kevin? Get off the bus. And so I'm sitting there and I'm crying my eyes out, hoping for one individual on this bus crowded with people to look at me and say, hey, kid, are you okay? Hey, kid, is something wrong? Can I help you? I, I was walking up to the bus driver, hoping that he would see my pain. But I could not say it overtly. I could not tell him that I was in trouble. I could not make those sounds. And he looked at me. Come on, kid, get off the bus. I got to go. There was a guy to my left, said to the fellow next to him, while pointing at me with his thumb, what's wrong with that kid with a smile on his face? I thought, that's it. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. A wave of emotion overcame me as I stepped down off of this bus. My feet heavy, my heart palpitating, waterfalls flowing out of my eyes. I walked forward. As I stood atop the Golden Gate Bridge walkway, staring and leaning over the four-foot-nothing rail, peering down to the looming waters below. I walked back toward the traffic. I ran as fast as I could, and I threw myself over the rail. The millisecond that my hands left that rail, instant regret for my actions. I fell 220 feet, 25 stories at 75 miles an hour in four seconds. I prayed on the way. What have I just done? I don't want to die. God, please save me. I got on the next bus. Story ends. I sat in the very last seat. The story doesn't end with him dying, obviously. Uh, he lived, and he, he goes around speaking in schools and different places, uh, encouraging people not, that suicide's not the answer. 
But I'll tell you what grips me is the fact that he's on that bus and people looking at him who's crying. And what's wrong with that kid? You know how, how quickly our words can be hurtful? What happens if there would have been a believer on that bus and we would have been able to sit down next to that, that kid and put our arms around him and, and, and say, what's wrong? You see, we might go past people this week that are contemplating suicide or other things, and it might just look that they're horribly distraught or doing something erratic or blowing up in the, in the store parking lot, talking out loud at their phone because they just received a call that they don't like. What? a response of compassion. And our words should bring peace to their lives. If we don't, as it says here, if we don't ensue, pursue peace, it's not going to happen. As we don't pursue peace in our own lives or in the lives of others, it's not going to happen. Romans 12 and verse number 18, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Let us follow after the things that make for peace. Let us help people get to peace. Let's be at peace in our lives. Let's be in pe- um, bring peace to other people's lives. And so this is an intentional thing. And, and I just wonder, how are we doing with our words? How are we going to do in the coming week with our words if we come across a Kevin Hines who is struggling in, in their lives? Or if we come across a, a believer happen to find out that one of our own is really struggling, how are our words going to be towards them? Lord, help us. Lord, help us to be as Jesus was. To the woman at the well. And I read again through that passage this week, and it, it just it stuns me at how how gracious Jesus was. When he could have said a lot of things to her, and a lot of true things could have been said to her, yet he responds with grace and helps her. So our reach needs to be vocally. Sometimes we have the opportunity to say something with our words. It can be hurtful, or it can be compassionate, but our reach needs to be thoughtfully, look at verse number 9, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrary-wise, knowing that ye are thereunto called that ye should inherit a blessing. There's blessing in this, but listen, it takes thought. Sometimes our immediate reaction is to say, well, that's what they deserve. Or they made these choices. And to say something curt like that, when we should really step back and say, you know, what should I say in this moment? Lord, would you give me the wisdom and what to say? And he says, don't render. Even if a person has hurt you and you want to lash out, don't render it back to them. Don't throw it back in their face. Don't recompense. Don't reward them or punish them in that way. This is what he's saying. I I don't want you to to allow this activity to be going on in your life. I don't want this to become your mode of operation in your life. It's so easy to say things without thinking. So easy to lash back against someone who's hurt us. Rather than realizing every person who hurts is a hurting person. That'll give you a different perspective on those that hurt you. Hurting people hurt people. We should write that down and remember that. Hurting people hurt people. 
And you know when someone's hurt you if, you, if you were able to pause and say, you know what, God tells me not to render back to them and throw it back in their face and to go after them, but rather bless them. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you. When I look at them as a person who's hurting on the inside and say, Lord, help me to bless them. Help me to help them out of their hurt. Give me the wisdom and what to, to say in this moment. Now we can respond with anger, and that always increases stress in their life and in ours. The Bible tells us not to, to, uh, to, uh, to give an answer of anger, but rather a soft answer turneth away wrath. Grievous words stir up anger. And so Peter warns us that that hurtful speech that's premeditated is not to be the way that we go about our Christian living. We are not to render evil for evil, but rather give a blessing. Who can you bless this week? Who doesn't deserve it, and who can you bless this week? Who can you bless with a kind deed or a kind word? Peter goes on to say here, he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue. Listen, he, he's just simply reminding us that, that adding to the fire and adding the hurt, uh, hurtful words on other hurt isn't going to help you settle things out in life. It's not going to bring you to your, your desired end, your desired goal. So we're to hate evil. When we see evil and hurt going on and the, the consequences of that, of that, we're to hate it. We're to, as verse 11 says, eschew it. It almost sounds like a sneeze, but it's not, right? It, it, it's to eschew it. it. It's to hate it. Uh, Job was, uh, it, the Bible says of Job in Job 1.1 that he, he hated sin. He eschewed sin. And that's what he was known for. His, his testimony was that way. And so God says, I, I want you to have a, have a, uh, a, a description about you of one being that you hate sin and you're not going to get involved in it. You're not going to add sin on sin. You're not going to render evil for evil. You're going to stop it. You're going to refrain from speaking evil against but giving blessing. And so the realm, we need to make sure that we're united in this, that we're loving, coming from a loving heart. The reach is with our mouths and with our thoughts. Thinking before we speak, thinking before we act. But the reward, what's in it, and I don't mean this to sound wrong, but God always, always gives a blessing. What's in it for you? Uh, do you realize there is great blessing? There is great blessing when we choose to obey God, even when it goes against everything inside of us. And I am thankful that God does give reward. He does incentivize right living. And sometimes it doesn't seem like it. Sometimes it seems like our compassion goes unnoticed. And maybe you've even said that I do good and I sacrifice and I do all this thing for other folks and it doesn't even get noticed, it just gets trampled on. Let me just encourage you, your reward does not come from other people. Your reward comes from him. And the reason that you're showing compassion is not for other people, you're doing it for him. He's taking account of all these things. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. Doesn't that bless your heart? He is watching you tonight. They are over the righteous. Those who have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord knows your testimony. He knows your deeds. He knows what you've done. He knows what no one else sees that you've done this week. He knows how you've helped that person this week. And no one else knows it in this room but you and the Lord. You know it and that person that you helped and the Lord knows our testimonies. We serve a living God who sees absolutely everything. And he notices our faithfulness. 
And in that way, we can be confident that he hears us when we call out to him, even when our hearts are broken. And we're saying, Lord, it seems like no one cares. It seems like they have despised what I've, I've done for them. And the fact is, he hears our prayers. He says that uh, his ears are open unto their prayers. His ears are open unto their prayers. I can be confident in the fact that he's hearing me when I pray. As a righteous individual on the merit of the Lord Jesus Christ, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. He wants to hear your prayer. Uh, as we move through difficult times, I trust that the Lord continues to impress upon your heart the importance of moment-by-moment -moment communication with the Lord. The importance of that. And as we respond with compassion in a world that is void of compassion and is very, very hurtful, let us not forget that the Lord, is, uh, his ears are open to our prayer. And maybe people will despise it, but friends, God wants to hear from you, and he wants to hear the burdens of your heart. He wants to hear your fears. He wants to hear your burdens. He wants to hear your hurts. He wants to hear it. But notice what he says. He says his face is against those that do evil. Do you know that sometimes in our Christian life, that our response, our lack of compassion, or our choice to sin and not follow God's way, it brings a strain in our relationship. You know what the Bible says? It says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. There is, there is a squashing of your Christian testimony, your ability to serve the Lord, your ability to be in tune with him so you can help other people around you. There's a squashing of that. There is a hindrance to our prayer. He says, the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. We don't want that to be the case. It's certainly against the lost world, is it not? They don't have the, the, the confidence that God is walking with them, but as his children, it's certainly his hand of blessing is not upon our lives when we're choosing to go against him. If I regard iniquity in my heart, Psalm 66, verse 18, the Lord will not hear me. Those are grievous words. Those are troubling words. And, and really the sense of that passage and, and regarding is to harbor it. I like this. Uh, my pastor growing up used to call it, uh, I have my pet sin, right? The sin that I'm not willing to give up. I crate it. I feed it. I take care of it. I walk it. My pet sin. And, and God says, if that's going on in your life, I will not hear you. You say, well, I'm a flawed person. You know, I'm, I'm constantly worried that God's not hearing my prayers. Listen, you be right with God. You get right on everything the Holy Spirit is giving you right now to be right on. And walk forward in confidence knowing that your Heavenly Father hears you. He's not playing hard to catch or hard to hear. That's not our Heavenly Father. He's gracious and he's loving. The Holy Spirit will tell you when you're, and when you're out of sorts. But notice also, the wicked will be judged. There's a two-fold two idea to that, that last phrase there. Uh, the wicked will be judged. G God's face is against them. He'll, he will take care of it, uh, and he will judge them. He will bring them into, into, right, uh, into uh, account for what they have done. Micah 7 and verse 18. Who is a God like unto thee? that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. He retaineth not his anger forever because he delighteth in mercy. He will turn again. 
He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities and thou wilt cast out their sins into the depths of the sea. God will make everything right. God will judge sin. He will hold it into account. And that's something we need to remember. We sometimes feel the pressure of writing everything. Even as we heard this morning, if I forgive them, it's like they get away with it. No, no, God is going to take care of it. He will judge the wrong actions. It's our part to extend love and compassion and forgiveness. God extends patience, but though he's patient, he's going to judge. And he will. And nothing is out of his control. I want us to notice not only our reward of, our, of him knowing our testimony and watching out over us, but I want you to notice also he rewards our faithfulness. Verse 14, look at it with me. But and if ye suffer for righteousness sake, happy are ye. Now what? Happy are ye. Blessed. Now the world tells us, our American mindset tells us, if we suffer adversity or go through opposition, that you're on the wrong track, right? You're on the wrong track. This isn't right for you. Choose a different path. God tells you and I, and his, his word is often uh, culturally uh, opposite, or it, it's diametrically opposed to culture, and he says, if you suffer for righteousness' sake, for doing right, blessed are you. You're in the right place. You know, there are going to be believers even through these days that quit because of opposition and adversity. Thinking that something's wrong, they're not doing the right thing. But God says, if you suffer for righteousness sake, not because we're fools, not because we're, we're going out there and, and, and doing something that is, is wrong or immoral or just simply foolish, but he says for righteousness sake. The idea of suffering is to suffer Pain, physical pain. If you suffer physical pain or emotional pain, blessed are you. I was uh, listening this week to a pastor out in California, um, probably not much older than I, who was uh, just coming out of court. And uh, they held a surprise press conference, he and another pastor, and he gave a wonderful, uh, bold declaration for the Lord Jesus Christ. But as you know, there's been a lot of unfair treatment in the way the churches have been treated out there and where there's been bars and strip clubs allowed to be open but churches not and and so on but this pastor in particular had is facing fines five thousand dollars per service i think the church is maybe 10 years old and uh his name is micaiah ermler and just realizing the pain that he and that church his family are facing as they they face these, uh, these restrictions and feel in their heart that it's right for them to, uh, to meet according to the word of God. And yet, this is what they're being dealt. The Bible says, happy are you. What if you get fined or what if you get, if there comes a time in our country where we're not, we're not allowed, like over in India, to pass out a gospel tract or to witness and try to convert. What happens? Happy are you. What happens if you, if you lose your livelihood because you don't subscribe to the agendas that they say to subscribe to? 
What happens if you're, a, if you're a worker and one day you walk into work and you are told to put on the rainbow pin? Right? But that's already happened in our country. Lose your job. The Bible says, happy are you. Blessed are you. Well, the world might say, uh, say, well, that person hates on us. No, they don't hate on you. They don't agree with your lifestyle biblically. They don't believe, uh, agree with the gay lifestyle or the homosexual lifestyle. And just because they don't agree with you doesn't mean they hate you. There's a big difference there in our society. It's, not, it's an ununderstood. But I was reading you know, over the last couple of weeks of a, a lady who walks into work, and this is the shirt you must wear. I cannot. I cannot. And she loses her job. Happy are ye. We're blessed of God when we suffer for obeying his word. Our great Lord Jesus went to the cross and received the, the, the death of the cross. The Bible says he counted the joy that was before him and he endured the death of the cross. The Bible tells us that there is a reward. Galatians 6 9. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. There is a harvest that comes, and it is a good harvest. And I want us to realize that there is heavenly ward ahead of us. Luke 6 and verse number 22 tells, Blessed are ye when men shall hate you, and when they shall separate you from their company. When they say you don't work here anymore, and when they, when they say you aren't a part of our group anymore, we don't want you here, and shall reproach you and cast you out as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Who thought of a day in America when, we would, when we'd read those words and we realize, you know, there's actually potential. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. <laughs> For ye behold, your reward is great in heaven, for in like manner did they undid their fathers unto the prophets. This has already been happening to God's people who followed his word and put it into practice. And so Jesus says to you and to me, leap for joy. Be happy when you have done right. Not been foolish when you have done right. When you have followed the word of God and you say, uh, here I stand, I can do no other, this is what I must do for the Lord Jesus Christ, I cannot in good conscience go against this, and you receive opposition or persecution for it, he says, happy are ye. You remember the story of Corey Ten Boom and how that after speaking on compassion and love and forgiveness that she was approached by one of the uh, the soldiers that had been responsible for the death of her sister, similar to the story we heard this morning. I'd never heard that story before. That was good. And she, she had this immediate opportunity on whether she was going to show compassion, his hurt, and her heart, even though he had hurt her. But realizing now the pain and the anguish that he had and that he lived with because of all the hurt that he had done towards all those Jews. And it was in that moment that she says, I, I, I went icy cold as he extended his hand asking for my forgiveness. And as a step of faith, she, she tells a story, as a step of faith, she extended her hand. And in that moment, the Lord gave her a, a melting of her heart and a warming of her heart, and she was able to extend forgiveness I can't imagine that. 
But truly in that moment, as a believer, she had his hurt in her heart. And she responded as Jesus would have in that situation. Think about it. Think about the man who said, surely this must be the Son of God. Think about him stepping onto heaven's shores and seeing Jesus for the first time. A man who is a part of putting Jesus on the cross. Think about that. There's a heavenly reward for this, but friends, there's a, there's a right now present reward. You know what it is? The smile of your father. You know what else it is? It's the Holy Spirit's comfort in your heart assuring you that you've done what the Father wants you to do. And I don't know where that's going to play out for you this week, but oh, that God would give us a spirit of compassion like, like Jesus. And you can be sure that the reward is going to be there. But make sure that wherever you are, you don't discriminate. Well, I, I'll show compassion to people at church, but not outside of church. No, wherever we are. Let's make sure the realm is broad. Let's show compassion. They're hurt in my heart. Let's show it with our words. Let's show it in our thinking. And let's expect that the Lord will bless what he's told us to do. And I want you to notice one last verse. Do you realize that as we demonstrate compassion in our lives, doors will open up to share the gospel? As as compassion is shown to women prisoners, their hurt, their baggage, their regrets, their hurt in our hearts, your hearts, as compassion is shown, you know the, the open doors to the gospel? The open doors of the gospel to, to people that have hurt you and you go back and say, listen, I forgive you. And the open doors of the gospel right within your own family. The Bible says, but sanctify, set apart the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that, that is in you with meekness and fear. Why are you acting like this? Why are you compassionate? Why do you act like this? Because of Jesus because Jesus would want me to. This is what Jesus would do. True compassion is a rare sight these days, isn't it? The world cannot truly show compassion because they've not received it. There are people, you know that giving does, in a human level, giving does encourage us on a purely human level. But true, a true heart of compassion is something the world can't do on just a human level because they haven't experienced it. We can we can show compassion better than anyone else on earth because we have Jesus Christ and we've experienced his compassion. And don't you think that as we demonstrate that in our lives, in your different spheres of living, that there's the greater potential for people to say, what's different about your life? Why do you act that way? That person really hurt you. Why don't you respond with anger? Why don't you respond with hate? Why don't you cut them off? Why don't you block them? May God help us to see 1 Peter 3.15 come into full view, full experience in our lives as we show compassion.
to those that are around us. And let's pray and ask God to help us with this. Father, you are the greatest example of compassion. And for that, we worship you. That even in the first moments after Adam sinned against you, you came looking for him. You could have sent him right to hell. And Lord, the reality is you could have done the same thing for us. God, would you help us to be like you here on earth, to be your representatives as we go about our lives in this, in this day? Lord, give us opportunities to practice this. By your Holy Spirit, would you alert our eyes, our hearts, our minds to those that are around us who are hurting? Lord, perhaps someone this, this week in our church would, would come across somebody that is hurting so much so that they're contemplating suicide. God, help us to make the right decision in that moment. Help us to be able to step forward with a compassionate heart. Lord, be our guide this week, we pray. In this matter, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening today. For more information about Grace Baptist Church, please visit our website at gracebaptistofkettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.